Rose. Hey, it's great to be with you. Um, you got you to get a little life going on. Hey, it's great to be with you. So thankful for you. So I just thought I'd give for those of you at home and for those of you that are here, those of you that are in a student room. So like I only have a new perspective of Arizona for just a short time. So I just thought I'd share with you just some things that I'm learning about Arizona just so that you realize that life isn't always like the way it is, right? So number one, uh, the heat is atrocious. I mean, it's, it's brutal. Like, like you're not supposed to sit in a restaurant and just sweat like I did last night. Like I just got up from the dinner table like wet. Like that's not normal, right? So, so just realize that. Like that's not a typical thing. Like, uh, oh, like 40 days over 110, that's not normal. I, I don't know what to say. Uh, the, the other thing is I, I love Arizona because I get to wear sandals. So now you know I feel at home. I'm not impressing you anymore with my shoe wear. So praise Jesus for that. But here, here's another thing about Arizona that you may not realize. So there's these window things, right, that you put in your, your door frame, right? And most of you have these things. Can I, can I just tell you, like, they, 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 don't, they don't fold. Like, I don't, there's a third fold in here somewhere. And I don't know where it is. And I'm pretty frustrated about that thing. I got like a master's degree, but I can't figure out a window thing. Like something's going on when, when you have those kind of issues. But hey, I am so thankful to be with you. And for those of you who don't know me, my name is Ron, Pastor Ron Smith. I'm just so thankful once again to be with you. It's just a privilege, honestly, to be your lead pastor. It truly has just been a blessing uh, to be here for our family, to be able to come, to be with you. So really I'm thankful uh, for this whole journey. And once again, for those of you who are comfy in your homes right now, drinking your little coffee, I'm thankful for you, even though I haven't met you yet. So it's time for us to meet, though, at some point, right? Anyway, all right, let me get into the message, and let me pray before it. Lord Jesus, just thank you so much for your word, honestly. Thank you so much for the scriptures. Thank you so much that you like, did not leave us um, without without you, without something to hold on to, to get to know you more and more, without something that you wrote to us. I mean, the, the, just the word of God is just your heart on paper and, and sharing who you are. And Lord Jesus, I pray, even as we open up the word this morning, we're going to learn more about you. We're going to learn more about each other. We're going to learn more about your, just your amazing grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Kitchen renovations. Never fun. Never fun. So a couple of years ago, we went through a kitchen renovation, and uh, my role, I, I had one role, uh, which was, uh, so you'll learn this about me, I, I, have, I have no skill when it comes to repairing anything. I have no skill when it comes to any form of housework or handiwork, nothing. I can't fix anything, like don't call me, all right? But I can do, I can do one thing when it comes to kitchen renovations, I can destroy Demolition day is my day. You know what I'm saying? Like, demolition day, call me in. I'm ready to go. So the first step in the kitchen renovation was tearing everything out. The first night was awesome, right? I'm tearing out carpet because we were changing our living room, taking out carpet. And I was like, yeah, look, look what all you do. This 17-year-old linoleum floor that was, like, turning yellowish. It was gross. Like, you know, hacking that stuff up. So fun. And so, like, the first day, it was pretty sweet. The, the second day, uh, the, the person who was going to put in our flooring said, hey, 
you, you have to get all the nails out. Nate, what, why? Like, why do I have to do that? So now the next step in demolition was really hard because now you're on your hands and knees and you're like getting out these nails or you're punching them in. So I, I went, I got like a quarter done. I went out with one of my friends and I said, demolition now stinks. I don't like demolition anymore. And, uh, and he's like, what's going on? And I said, I got to take up all these things. And he's like, hey, can I help? And I was like, no, I got it. I got it. He's like, no, really. I mean, I can show it with my son. We, we can help you out. I was like, nah, I'm okay. Been there? You know, people are like, hey, let me help you out. Nah, I got it. When I was moving here, 20 years in the same house, a bunch of stuff. You, you realize, this is also unique about Arizona. You don't have basements. So in Chicago, all we do is put all of our junk in our basements. So we have 20 years of junk that now we have to like get out. And people are asking, hey, how can I help you? Can we help you? And I'm like, nah, I'm good, as I'm up till 2 in the morning. You know? Uh, you know, moving out of my office, can I help you? Nah, I got it. So I'm putting all my books away till 2 a.m. Been there? You know, you, you, got a, you, got a, you got a connection group, and you're all together, and like, hey, can I help you out? Nah, I got it. Well, this friend of mine, in the midst of my kitchen renovation, despite my, nah, I got it, he shows up the next day, 7.30 a.m., hammer, and like a club, and like a claw, like a, whatever that thing is to pull up nails, in hand with his son. And we finished the job together. And let me tell you something. It went much more quickly. And it was much more fun. And yet there's something within us that is like, nah, I got it. I got this Christian life thing. I, I, don't, I, don't, need your, I don't need your help. I, I can work through this thing alone. You know, I like difficult times. Nah. I don't have any, like, I'm good. I'm all right. Can I just say, like, you were created for relationship. You were created by God in such a way that you need help, right? Not only do we need help, right, when it comes to, like, our sin and forgiveness and, and life and eternity through Jesus Christ, right? Not only do we need the life of Jesus in us, but we need each other. We need the church. We need relationship. We're created for relationship, and we need one another in church. We have to stop saying, nah, I got it, because honestly, it's pride. It's vanity. That's what we're going to see in the text today, and we've been on this journey together over the last five weeks. This is our final week in our sermon series called Together, Living a Life All Out for God. We've talked about our relationship with God. That's where it all starts. We talked about our relationship with the church. That's where it continues. And we talked about our relationship with others, right? Those in our neighborhood, community, those that we interact with every day. Last week, we talked about how we need to endure in the midst of a relationship. And this week, we're going to see this. We're better together. We're better together. It just is a reality. We're better together. And what would it look like, church? What would it look like, Compass? 
if we lived in relationship and we supported and we prayed for one another and we loved on one another and we loved those people that are far from God and, and we loved those people that are close to God, what would our city look like? What would the West Valley look like if we were a church that came together to live all out for Jesus Christ? Turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 4 as we continue our series all together. And this is a foundational text. This is a text that I've preached at weddings. But let me tell you something. The application and honestly even the context is way beyond marriage. It's really about the relationships that we have with one another. So, so realize as we turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, it's a foundational text. You know, God is, is talking, right? God is saying to Solomon, write this down. And here's the picture that I want you to have as you open up your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, if you're home, right, take it off the coffee table, take it off the bookshelf, open up your Bibles, it's so good to get in the Word together. This is the picture that I want you to see. This is Solomon, King Solomon, and he's in his palace. Can you picture this? And he's, and he's looking out this, this window, and, and he's seeing this man, he's seeing what he's about to write about, and God is saying to him, write, write this down. Write this stuff down. So let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting at verse 7. The word says this, Again, I, that's Solomon, again, I saw vanity under the sun. One person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure. This also is vanity in an unhappy business. So he's looking out his window and he sees this guy, right? He, he sees this guy and he says, this is just vanity. Vanity is this excessive pride. So he sees this guy with this excessive pride in what he has. He, he sees this guy that's walking through you know, Jerusalem, and, and, he, and he's all pride. He's like very prideful about the things he has, the, the wealth he has, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. And so he is just, Solomon is seeing this guy, and yet he's, he's seeing this bigger, this bigger picture, yet he has no brother. He has no son. Think about that. He has no brother. He has no, he has, he has no one who's walking through this life with. That's what a brother does, right? I got an older brother. My, my older brother, man, he just walks through the most difficult times. He, he, my older brother lives out in Africa, yet I could call him tomorrow, and he's right, like he'd be here. But, but this guy, although he has power, and he has wealth, and he has things, he's so consumed by it that he's not realizing he doesn't have anybody with him, and he has no brother, he has no son. So, so he has no one to to hand his inheritance down to. He has is, he is no one who's going to take care of him as he grows up and gets older. He, you know, in, in, in back in biblical times, but as well as in, in these days, right? We, we need family. We need friends. We need the church. I mean, I mean those of you who are single, right? We, we, need, we need people in our life coming alongside and supporting. We, we need the church. I mean, in the midst of COVID-19, right, this has been one of the most difficult things is the separation, the loneliness, right? The isolation that we've all experienced. 
My, my mother-in-law, she lives out in, in Michigan, Grand Rapids, Michigan. And Michigan, you know, a couple months ago, they had like this shutdown order because of COVID-19. And, and she, like for, for two straight months, all she, like she just lived alone. No one to see. And there's this, there's this brokenness. And so Solomon's looking out this window and he sees this guy who, who like has all this wealth and has all this power and yet no son, no, no brother. And, and, and he just, he just, he just, he's writing down like, this is unhappy business. You're not going to be satisfied with stuff. You're not going to be satisfied with what you have. This is, this is what I call a look back moment in our life. You know what like look back moment is? A look back moment for you in your life is, is those, those private moments. No one may know you have it. It's a private moment that you look back at your life and you ask yourself, is there anyone with me? We do that. We, we have these look back moments. Like They come from time to time. We have these moments where we look back and we're like, is anyone with me? A look back moment is like this, this intimate moment where, where we're looking around going, what was my life all about? This, this look back moment is is not only just like private and not only intimate, but it's like the funeral question. Who's going to be at your funeral? As you, as you look back at life, what, what are you leaving behind? Like Solomon creates this look back moment and we ask ourselves, is there anyone with us? Ask yourself, what are you leaving behind? What's the impact? Because for the church, we all have the same given command from Jesus himself. Make disciples. Make disciples. It could be, it could be one. It could be 50. It could be 200. It, it could be three. But who's the one? Who's the two? And this guy is having a look back moment. And Solomon just sees it and he's going, there's no end to his toil. And do you see in verse 8, Solomon writes down, right? And he's not even happy, but he doesn't know it because he's asking these questions, who's with me? Like, when, when, when we're in the midst of isolation, let me just give you four quick problems. In the midst of isolation, these are four problems we face. We lose perspective. In the midst of, right, in the midst of isolation, we lose perspective. Our lows get more low than they should be, and our highs get more high than they should be. You experience that, right? I mean, and once again, you could be in the midst of a family. You could be married and go through times of loneliness. Like this, like this is, I mean, this is for all of us. But we lose perspective when we're alone. Not only do we lose perspective, but the, the more we're alone, the more we're in isolation, the, the more fear we have of intimacy. If, you, if you've ever interacted with people, like take a step back, and if there's, a fear, if there's a fearfulness of someone getting close to you, most likely it's because they've lived alone. Like there, there, there's this loneliness. So we have to have grace with people. Because there's just this fear of intimacy that they're working through. Three, 
Another problem we have faced with isolation is we're, we're just selfish. We just become more selfish. We become more about ourselves. It's just the reality. I mean, I do a lot of premarital counseling, and, and, and when I do uh, you know, premarital counseling for someone who's like in their early 20s, just out of college, there's like this, this excitement and energy and all this kind of stuff. But when, when I do premarital counseling for someone who's like late 20s and like they're just getting married and they've been, right, they, they've been alone, they've been lo- alone for a period of time, there's a selfishness that has to break. And final, in the midst of isolation, there's poor health. It's just been proven. Even in the midst of what we struggle with with COVID-19, right, there's, there's just this health factor of being alone and being, and being isolated. I love, I love the quote. It's better to eat Twinkies with good friends than to eat broccoli alone. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just better to eat Twinkies with friends. Isolation causes this poor health. And in the midst of this, as Solomon is looking out his window, and, and there's this man who's pursuing wealth, who's, who's pursuing, you know, all these kind of things, and yet he's so alone. So Solomon says, let me speak into it. God says, let me speak into it. And in the rest of the verses, he gives us three reasons why we are better together. So we're going to look at three reasons why we are better together. Look at verse 9. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. Three reasons. Right there is the first. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. The reality is, number one, we can do more together. We can do more together. We can impact more people together. We can, we can, we can pray like more effectively. I, sh- I don't know if I should say more effectively. There, there's this fullness, right? I mean, God himself says where two or three are gathered, his presence is here. Like there's this unique presence as we gather together to pray, as we gather together to worship. We can do more together. There's a good return. And Solomon gets this, right? Think about Solomon's life, right? Solomon was the one who built the temple. Can you imagine building the temple? I mean, Solomon knows what it's like to to see the the cedars coming in from Lebanon and seeing craftsmen work on that and and to see all the things that had to go with the temple, right? Solomon gets that we're better together. Solomon, like his dad was David, so Solomon knows that in the midst of battle, it's better to be together, and people, it's better to be together. We can do more together. It's just a reality. One of the things uh, that I love to do uh, especially in the midst of team, is escape rooms. Have you guys ever done an escape room? Escape rooms are really, really fun. Like if connection groups are starting up this week, right, and, and, or, or signing up for this week, and maybe you want to do this with your connection group. I don't know if COVID-19, if they're even open right now, but uh, escape rooms are so good because here's the reality. You're all given a clear mission. you got to get out of the room, right? you got to get out of these, this locked room. So, so, so you get put in, right, whether it's four people or eight people, you get put in this locked room, and, and you got to go methodically, step by step, and typically you go from one room into another room into another room, and you have to figure out, you know, by different schemes and, and by different solving puzzles how to get to the next room. And, and so my family did this, and, and I'll, I'll never forget it, like, I'll never forget getting into the first room. In an escape room, you have, you have different people. You, you, you have people like my wife who are like methodical, step-by-step, detail, 
Let's make sure we get step one before step two, before step three. And so you have that kind of brain and that kind of functioning. And then you have someone like me who walks into a room and just like tries a bunch of stuff. Like, like I just try to find anything. Like I just move stuff around and I like like throw stuff and like try to break stuff. Like it just, like I get into a room and like it creates this, this chaos. And when I realize that, man, if you don't have the person in the room that's methodical and think strategically, we're going to be lost. And if you don't have the person who's willing to kind of take a chance and go for it, you get lost, right? We're better together. Church, we're better together. Right now, like we have signing up for connection groups. Those of you at home, right? Sign up for connection groups. I guarantee you that you will live a life all out for Jesus more effectively in a connection group than without. You'll live this life more effectively, more fun in relationship than without. And and, and church, maybe you're at a healthy place. Maybe you're at this place of like, I'm good. Can I just say to you, a lot of us aren't. A lot of us need help. I mean, just being honest, like my family, we've been here for like two and a half weeks and it's starting to set in. Like, man, we miss, missing family, missing, right, missing friendships. We're better together. Let's, let's, I mean, what would it look like, church, if, if we jump in? And, and I know in the midst of COVID-19, it's confusing and it's hard and stupid Zoom calls, right? Let's just say what it is, right? Like, we're just done, like, with all the virtual stuff. But we've got to stay in relationship. Have to. We're created for it. And God tells us we can do more together. We can meet, do you realize we can reach more lost people together? Do you know that? I mean, it's so clear. Because some of you are created in such a way that you want to have people over at your house. So some, of, some of us are created in such a way that we want to be bold with our, with our mouth, right? Some of us are created in such a way that we just have like this service heart. You realize when you, when you put a church together and you put these things, you put these gifts together, we're so much better together. We're so much more effective. We can do more together. Here's the second reason why we're better together. Number one, we can do more together. Number two, we can pick each other up when we fall. Look at verse 10. For if they fall... One will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. So remember the context. Solomon, like when God said, hey, Solomon, what do you want from me? Solomon said, I want wisdom. Remember that? So here is the the wisest man to walk on earth besides Jesus. And he's looking out his window, and he sees this guy, and this guy's got wealth, and this guy's got power, and he's, he's vain. He thinks he has all this stuff, and yet he has, he's alone, and, and he's separated. And Solomon's looking into that context and saying, we can do more together. And he's looking at this guy and saying, if this guy falls, if this guy breaks, he has no one to pick him up. We need people to pick, pick us up, don't we? I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm broken. You know what I mean? Like, I make mistakes. I fall. I need people to pick me up. We need each other. 
That's why we're better together. I need people to pick me up. I need people to pray for me. I mean, I, mean, I need people. I mean, just even come at like one of the reasons, honestly, why we just wanted to provide just like a second space for us to be able to come and worship is because that some people, someone came in last week and it was just like, I was so desperate for community. I was just so desperate to worship with someone, right? I mean, there's something beautiful about that. We need to pick each other up for you and some of you in this life, right? There's, there's people that are around you that need to be picked up. I was reading a book, and they were writing about the Navy SEALs. Now, I, I had great admiration for any of you who have served in the military. Um, I mean, any of you have served in, in that way. Like, I just have tremendous respect, and I'm, I'm so intrigued, honestly, by those who have served. And, and the Navy SEAL, obviously, is someone that, like, you have high respect for, and you, want to, you just want to learn more about. And uh, so I was reading this book about the Navy SEALs, and they were talking about hell week. That's their word, not my word. They, they were talking about this last week. In order to be a Navy SEAL, they, they just, like the leaders, they just absolutely break you in every way. They break you mentally. They break you emotionally. They just, they, 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 they put things around you so that you get so broken because they're preparing you for something, right? They're preparing you for what it is to be a Navy SEAL. They're preparing, so it's all good. So, so he, they're going through hell week. And, and they're just being broken and broken and broken. And one of the final things in the midst of this, this week is, is that they have to swim uh, across, whether it's a lake or, or in the ocean, I, I don't know exactly, but they have to swim from one end to the other, and the waters are frigid, just frozen. And, and they have to swim from one end to the other, and, and this guy named Mark uh, he's able to get to the other side. So he, he makes it, and, and, and so he's now going to be a Navy SEAL. Like, he, he achieved it. And then, and then his friend uh, was behind. His name was Zach, and his friend was behind. And, and his friend, is, Zach's trying to swim to the other side, and there's waves. And once again, the water's just freezing after a whole week of being mentally and emotionally just drained. And so here Zach is. He's in the midst of the water, and, and he's just, he, he just stops. And now he's bobbing up and down in the water. Can you imagine that? And, and, and he's getting lost. Like he, he doesn't really even know where he is. Like he's so broken that he's like looking, and he's like, I, I don't know which one side is from the other side. And, and he's just at this complete place of complete broken. He's just, he's just done. You've been there? You're fighting for your marriage, and you're just done. You're fighting for your relationship with one of your kids, and you're just done. Like, you're fighting for, right? I mean, I mean, honestly, in the midst of all this stuff, the racial tensions, right? And, and, like, you just get to this place of just brokenness, right? Where you're like, I'm done. Zach's in this place. Put yourself there. And the last thing that Zach does, like, he's about to raise his hand and call it quits. He looks, he looks to the other side and he sees his friend Mark. And Mark just gives him this fist bump. Mark's like, come on, let's go. And there was something in that moment. There was something in seeing his friend on the other side 
give him this fist bump that gave Zach the strength to like write himself up for the moment and swim to the other side to get there to accomplish what he always wanted to accomplish to become a Navy SEAL. There was something about that moment in relationship where Zach needed somebody and he saw his friend on the other side. People, that's just like life. It's like the relationship that we have with Jesus. There's moments of brokenness that we're like, ah, oh, I'm just done. I don't know how I'm going to go. And we need people on the other side just to give us a fist bump. Like, let's go one more day. Let's go for some, right? One more minute, one more second. For those of you who struggle with addiction, it breaks my heart. It's, it's close to home with addiction. For some of you, right, it's just you just need to know this church, man, we are with you. We're not letting go. We're on the other side cheering you on one more day, one more moment, one more minute. This is why we need the church. That's why we need people. And, and God is saying to us this morning, right, we're better together. We can do more together. We can pick each other up. And here's the third reason. We can protect one another. Look at verses 11 to 12. He says again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And, and, and though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. See, together we can protect one another. Together we can have each other's back. And once again, Solomon is looking out his window and he sees this man who is in, in vanity and he, he thinks he has everything and, and yet he has no one with him. And Solomon is going, if someone comes up on you, if someone comes to challenge you, you have no one else to protect you. You've, you've got no one. Church, we need to protect each other. Connection groups, we need to have each other's back. We, we, we need, like, the church needs to stop gossiping and start supporting. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like the church needs to stop judging and come alongside and show them the incredible love of Jesus. We can protect one another. It's, it's, the, beauty of, it's the beauty of family. It's the beauty of the church. It's the beauty of groups. It's the beauty of relationship. And the protection is not just physical. Right, the protection is spiritual. The protection is emotional. The protection goes beyond just what we see and what we feel. The protection continues on. And I want you to think about this. What's the motivation that we should have to live this life together? What's the, like, what's the motivation when we're at this place where we don't necessarily know where to go or, or why we should come. Maybe you've been hurt so many times in relationship and you're like, man, I'm just done. Like, I don't even know about relationship. Why we do it? It's because it's what Jesus did for us. The motivation is the gospel. The motivation is that when you were down, when you were lost, when we were broken, when we had no hope, when we were, in fact, when we were his enemies, God loved us so much, and he sent his son Jesus to live a life 
right? To weep with people, to laugh with people, to show them a better way, to show them the strength of relationship, right? He was in relationship with the 12, with the three. He was in the relationship with other people. He was in relationship. He lived this life. And he loved us so much, right? He died on the cross because he knew there was no way we could have relationship with God without the shedding of blood. So he died on that cross. He shed his blood in our place so that we could have forgiveness of sin. The only way, listen, the only way that you and I can ever be forgiven before a perfect and holy God is through death, through the shedding of blood. And God loved you so much that he took your place. He died in your place. That's what the cross is all about. And he proved that he was the only, he is the only way of salvation, the only way to have forgiveness of sin, the only way to have eternal life with God forever and ever and ever by being raised from the grave three days later. Like, that's our Jesus. He's the one we follow in the midst of relationship. He's the one that we model. He's the one, he's the one that models it for us. One of my favorite movies is Remember the Titans. It's a great football movie. It's based on a true story. It's based on three schools coming together in Alexandria, Virginia back in 1971, back in the midst of racial tension, back in the midst of trying to have African Americans join white schools, white schools joining out. I mean, you can just imagine, right, the chaos as these Schools came together, and yet there's this football team, and there's this coach named Herman Boone, who's an African-American, who, who, who was brought in as the head coach. The head coach at the school, who was white, had to take a step down, named Bill Yost. And so this football team, like just a, a microcosm, this football team has to somehow work together, has to somehow navigate through these relationships. And in the midst of training, the head coach brings him to the Battle of Gettysburg. And he says this. Let's watch this. Let's watch this video. Anybody know what this place is? This is Gettysburg. This is where they fought the Battle of Gettysburg. 50,000 men died right here on this field, fighting the same fight that we're still fighting amongst ourselves today. This green field right here, painted red, bubbling with the blood of young boys, smoke, and hot lead pouring right through their bodies. Listen to their souls, man. I killed my brother with Malice in my heart, hatred destroyed my family. You listen, you take a lesson from the dead. If we don't come together right now on this hollow ground, we too will be destroyed. Just like they were. I don't care if you like each other or not, but you will respect each other. And maybe, I don't know, maybe you will. 
learn to play this game like men. If we don't come together, church, the cost for us is so much more than losing a football game. If we don't come together, it's lives who may not know Jesus. It's people in our church broken and living alone. It's people feeling hopeless. It's people living a life in the midst of addiction and struggle and battle. If we don't come together, we're better together. Solomon ends this incredible passage, this incredible picture. He says this at the end of verse 12. A three-fold cord is not quickly broken. What's he talking about? He's talking about inviting God into every one of our relationships. See, when in, in our marriage, when we invite God in, it strengthens everything about us. In your relationship with your family, when we invite God in, it strengthens every relationship that we have. When we invite God into the groups that we're hanging out with, it strengthens everything. What's the difference, right, between a connection group and a group of guys, like, hanging out and just kind of, you know, like, sharing their issues? God. Like, God changes things. When we invite God into the relationships that we have, he strengthens everything that we have. Can the worship team come on up? This morning, we want to end the service by giving you a gift. By giving you something to remember this series. Because church, as we start off on this journey together, as I start off as your lead pastor, I want you to remember this. And I want you to think about this, that we're going to give you this keychain. And there's a rope on this keychain. It's a parachute cord. And it's, and it's to remember that a three-cord strand can't be broken. I want us to remember those relationships that we have. I want us to remember this series, I want, to, I want us to remember the reality and the truth that when we come together, now those of you who are at home, you're like, I'm not there. What about me? Let me tell you something. People at home like, we're, we're going to get it to you somehow in some way. Text us, email us. We're going to try to send these things out to you because we want you to remember it. And the ushers are going to hand them out right now. As they sing this closing song, the ushers are going to hand out these keychains for you. I wish in the midst we could kind of do this in a different way, but we're just going to hand them out to you. And we're going to sing a song that's, that uh, honestly was sung at the first week that, that I was here. Just to remind us that we're together. Remind us God is with us. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. I thank you so much for this church. I thank you so much for those that are listening online. Lord God, I just pray for this moment. I pray that you will do something beyond us. I pray, Lord, that this will be a church that stands together no matter what. 
that we go through difficult times, that we rejoice together, that we weep together, that we pick each other up, that we realize we're better together. Lord Jesus, do something miraculous. Unite us in a way that we can stand strong in the midst of the mess. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray.